Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Goats have home lives too. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Rich Eisen. Hello, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. Oh, that's Susie Eisen's husband. (laughs) (laughs) The Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich... Here's Brian Weber. Powering our way into the final hour of the program. Still plenty of chances for you to get involved. 1-844-204-RICH. 1-844-204-7424. Twitter is your best opportunity to have an opinion expressed. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, but you got to do it with a little bit of urgency because coming up in 40 minutes, we wrap up the program with Gusto, just our second guest, however you view me, if you do it all, probably, who is this loud guy? Let me turn down the radio. You can't say I don't maximize opportunities for you to get involved because two guests in three hours is a Spartan. Hello, John Spartan. Rundown. I'd say a skinny rundown, but if you click on my Twitter profile, you could see The steam room is my friend. That's my destination after the program. We'll get you set for the bowls that matter. Not today's lineup. Toe is about to meet leather in the Bronx. Bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl. There'll be a crowd there despite the awful weather on the East Coast because Syracuse is playing inside the state of New York. Alumni throughout New York Tri-State area and the students can Either take advantage of being home on break or schlep down from upstate New York. It's the Orange against Minnesota. Cheese it Bowl coming up later today. Oklahoma, Florida State, Alamo Bowl, Texas, and Washington. When we're joined by P. Futek from collegefootballnews.com in 40 minutes, we're going to spend our time on the national semifinals coming up on Saturday. Rich's alma mater, his beloved Wolverines, taking on TCU and Georgia, trying to go back-to-back and defend their national title, facing Ohio State in 20 minutes. We'll get back to Thursday Night Football, not breaking the game down. That was never the intent, but using it as a catalyst to have a conversation about the Cowboys and where would we slot them amongst the premier teams with a realistic opportunity to win it all. Tennessee has fallen apart. They've lost five straight. We knew momentum was gathering over the last handful of days that Mike Vrabel was going to go into Operation Shutdown. Tonight's game is meaningless. Tennessee has to defeat Jacksonville to win the division next week. So that game likely to be flexed out to Sunday Night Football. Game number 256, 
with a playoff spot and division title on the line. So understanding that, Tennessee has literally nothing to play for. They're not putting real players on the field. And we got the latest confirmation of that about an hour and 15 minutes ago. Malik Willis has struggled in his rookie year. Remember, he was taken to the third round. So if you're taken second, third, fourth round, team believes in you. It's not a throwaway pick, although Brock Purdy's done pretty well with the final pick of last year's draft. Willis, the numbers have been pretty gruesome. Three starts, a total of 234 yards, no touchdowns, three picks, taking on a very good and assertive Dallas defense, especially with their ability to get to the quarterback. Vrabel is not putting Willis out there. Josh Dobbs, who's bounced around the league after a standout career, playing for the Tennessee Vols. He'll be back in the state of Tennessee tonight. Titans hosting the Cowboys. So I think it comes down to the standpoint, and we'll talk about this more coming up in 20 minutes. Protect Malik Willis, not physically, emotionally, mentally, his psyche. You don't want him getting beat up on a variety of levels by the Cowboys, and then you're going to need him presumably next week, even though he's been wobbly at the outset of his NFL career because Ryan Tannehill, I'm amazed he was even able to get back in that game against the Chargers a couple weeks ago when he was carted off the field with the ankle injury. More NFL coming up. Some sad news to pass along, although we, as sports fans, were given a sense this was coming. The biggest name in the history of the biggest sport in the world, Pele, has passed away at the age of 82. The Brazilian soccer legend had been in poor health over the last week. You heard that family and friends were gathering to be by his side. So we've lost Pele at the age of 82. And I want to spend a few minutes on this because I was not being hyperbolic. If we're talking about the most recognizable figures, not sports luminaries, people on the face of the earth. Pele is on the short list with whomever the Pope may be and Muhammad Ali before he passed away. Pele is one of the most important names in sports history. And given the global popularity of soccer, wherever he went... He was mobbed. A gentleman, an ambassador of the sport. I've been in the room with Pele twice. Now, one room was big. Giant Stadium, 1977. I was being metaphoric there. But like Rich, I'm from the New York Tri-State area. Rich is from Staten Island. I grew up just outside of the Bronx, went to high school in the city. So I think we have a similar sensibility about a lot of things. When I was a kid, I think Rich and I are, in fact, the very same age. When I was a kid, late 70s, early 1980s, we were the generation that fully embraced soccer. More so than our parents. My old man couldn't believe that I wanted to play soccer. And it was all the stereotypes. Oh, yeah, that's riveting. one nothing. Wow, a lot of scoring. But our generation came to it pretty naturally. Youth soccer leads proliferated. Believe it or not, I know this is going to be stunning. So as I give you the admission, let me let you know again who I am. I'm Brian Weber. Who am I? Why am I here? I'm in for Rich Eisen. It's a Rich Eisen show. Breaking news. A broadcaster with no athletic talent. I was not much of a player. I'm not a player, but I crush a lot. I couldn't play sports well, so I knew along the way, 
if I wanted to be involved with this, probably it would be something journalistic, either writing or talking, and talking is easier than writing. But I love sports profoundly. You play them all until you're no longer allowed to play. And for me, that was eighth grade. That was the last time I was cut after I did play eighth grade football, yes. Well, I didn't get on the field much, but I was on the roster. I played soccer all the way until high school. I didn't try to play competitively, but soccer was the easiest sport to play. And think about why it transcends socioeconomic differences, borders. Soccer, literally, in the slums of Brazil that the great Pele grew up in, they didn't have enough money for soccer equipment. They would play with tin cans because that's all you need. You need something approximating a ball, and you need two sides, and you go back and forth. So I love soccer as a kid. It also helped that when I was young, the old North American Soccer League was a phenomena. There was real soccer craze in this country, late 70s, early 80s. The Cosmos were, because they're from New York, the New York Yankees of that league. And ownership, they were owned by what used to be Time Warner, which has now morphed into Warner Discovery, but a guy named Steve Ross, who had a love for stars, and they looked around the world and said, let's get the biggest names. So you had Georgia Canalia, Franz Beckenbauer, and nobody bigger than Pele. So Pele came to the States to wrap up his career he was older. He was not vintage Pele, but he was still Pele, the greatest soccer player of all time. And the Cosmos routinely drew better than 60,000 people a giant stadium. I dragged my old man out to some game, and there was 71,000 there. It was a sensation. So maybe I'm mourning my youth, or maybe I just remember what Pele meant to the embryonic Rise of soccer in the States, and obviously, well, not obviously, we all have different nuances and different things that we embrace. I love sports history as much as I love what's going on on a daily basis. Pele has such a significance on so many different plateaus. Remember, won three World Cups and then spent the rest of his life as an ambassador of the sport. So the second time I was in the room with Pele, I was older, 1994 World Cup here in the United States, coming back to North America next cycle, thankfully, after the quality of play was outstanding in Qatar. I just had major issues with the ability for Qatar to bribe the right people to get the World Cup, but we're trying to stay upbeat. It is the holiday season after all. When the World Cup came to the United States, 1994, one of the venues was the San Francisco Bay Area Brazil played at old Stanford Stadium before it was renovated. My alma mater used to seat 82,000. Every seat was filled because Brazil was there. They took over a town about 45 minutes south of San Francisco, Los Gatos, closer to San Jose, and that became essentially Sao Paulo North. Thousands of Brazilian spectators and fans were there. It was a good time. And I was at a press conference in the same room as Pele. So I'm not in any way saying, you know, when I had my in-depth conversation. But even just watching him move from room to room, there was an aura surrounding Pele. There was a grace. I'll go back to Muhammad Ali. I was lucky to be in a room with Muhammad. 
and he was in poor health, obviously, towards the end of his life. This is Pele, circa 1994, still in great shape, a charisma, always Natalie attired, an elegance, a regal approach. So, sad news. We were prepared for it. We've lost a giant in Pele, one of the most important figures in sports history. He's passed away at the age of 82. I'm Brian Weber, and for Rich Eisen, we'll make the challenging transition back to things on the field. So, over the course of our first two hours, spent a lot of time, understandably, under center. The issues of trying to jumpstart Russell Wilson's sagging career in Denver. Whomever is hired as the next head coach after Nathaniel Hackett was let go on Monday. Derek Carr's time with the Raiders is over. Tua Tungavailoa, not going to play, I think, for the rest of this year, even if the Dolphins make it to the postseason. Now, they'll do it game by game. That means Teddy Bridgewater will be the quarterback in a hugely significant game, a significant game, against the Patriots. And the Tua injury now creates more of an opportunity. If you think there's a drop-off that's pretty sizable, and I don't. I think Teddy B is a adequate backup. In fact, I don't even want to besmirch him that much on a big word Thursday. Teddy Bridgewater went healthy, and obviously the knee injury. Remember, he went down in a practice setting back in Minnesota, changed everything. But Teddy Bridgewater is a capable quarterback. You got Miami, New England, the Jets, and the Steelers all vying for that final wild card. I want to expand our focus and talk more about teams that we really believe in, because I think I've been spending too much time with the dregs, even though a lot of those clubs are still in playoff contention, but not really in the conversation to win the Super Bowl. So since I'm going to talk NFC straight ahead, let's spend a little more time on the AFC, and we already examined some of this when we had our conversation in the last hour of the program with Mike Jones of The Athletic. In whatever order you want to slot them, and don't overlook the fact that the top seed and with that home field advantage is still up for grabs in the AFC, here are the teams we know are going to the postseason. Ravens, I spent a lot of time talking about Lamar Jackson as well. I realize the audience is always changing, but I'm not asking much. Just asking for three hours of your undivided attention every day. But if you missed any of the program, remember, you can always pick up the podcast, and that is giving you the ability to listen to any portion of any program anytime you want. You're in total control. Ravens have locked up a wild card. The Chargers are going to the postseason for the first time since 2018. And think about that hierarchy of quarterbacks in the AFC. Josh Allen and the Bills. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Joe Burrow making the Super Bowl last year in the Bengals. And now Justin Herbert has advanced to the playoffs for the first time in his outstanding young career. If you're a Charger fan, here's the dilemma. Now that Brandon Staley has made the playoffs, you're stuck with him. Not forever, but for the foreseeable future. And my issue there is Herbert is an outstanding talent, but how much better would he be? How much more creativity could we see on the field if the Chargers had an offensive-minded head coach, and beyond that, I don't want to pin it too much on on Staley, who's a decent person, it would seem. I've heard him on with Rich. Nice, 
guy, affable, makes himself available to the media. You don't get a lot of head coaches, only 32 of them in the league. Only a handful will join marquee hosts like Rich during the regular season. So that says a lot about who Brandon Stanley is as a person, that he's willing to have a conversation like that. My issue is scheme-related, play calling, and I think the person that Brandon Staley has entrusted to run that offense, and Joe Lombardi's not a great fit for Herbert, and Herbert would benefit from a much more inventive play caller who had a different philosophical slant. Problem is, much like Mark Davis, and that's the motivation for Josh McDaniel surviving and Derek Carr being pushed out, Mark Davis does not have a lot of liquidity, cash poor. I think most of us can identify with that come the end of the year and the holidays with those credit card bills already on the way. Mark Davis is not going to pay another coach not to work. He's already doing that with Gruden. So McDaniels was surviving one way or the other. And the way forward is getting divorced from Derek Carr. So you got Herbert going to the postseason and, and the Chargers for all my issues with the Spanos family, who, like Mark Davis, use the team as an ATM. There's a lot to like about that Charger roster. And they're finally healthy. We'll get more of an update on where Joey Bosa is, getting closer to the postseason. Remember, brother Nick is balling out with the Niners. Big reason why. They're the number one unit in all of defense. Mike Williams feeling better. Keenan Allen healthy. It was a defense that put up some atrocious numbers early in the year, last handful of games, including the victory on Monday night over the Colts, solidifying a real improvement, small sample size over the last three or four weeks. Another issue with the Chargers is they don't run the ball. So as much as if I was just doing fantasy football and looking at the individual profiles of the talent on that Charger team, my pushback would be you got to run in the postseason, even just to keep the defense honest. Chargers don't run at all. Uh, paltry, sub four yards per carry. And even against a terrible Colts team on both sides of the ball, they didn't run it that effectively at all on Monday night. So the Chargers are dangerous. I just don't buy into them as much as a lot of observers. So if we're just going through the team's that really could win it all coming out of the AFC. I think it's a short list. Understanding that wild cards get hot and how many people raise your hand, I can see through the radio, in any way forecast the Bengals making that Super Bowl run in probably last year. But if I have to give you a firm summation of the AFC, I guess three teams and three teams only. And I would have put the Dolphins on a tier just below those three teams, but now with the Tua uncertainty, and I don't think it's a real question. We're not going to see him again, even in the playoffs. I don't think he can be allowed to play now with another head injury. For the AFC, it comes down to three teams and just three teams. The reigning AFC champs, the Bengals. Remember, they played the Bills in a juicy Monday night game coming up. The Bills and the Chiefs. That's it. Now, how about the NFC? I might be even a little bit more economical there. I'm being stingy when it comes to the grades. No grade inflation. So we'll talk about the real contenders in the NFC 
Coming up, and then in 20 minutes, we get you set for the bowl games you care about when we say hello to P. Futak from collegefootballnews.com. Since we're talking Super Bowl contenders in the NFC, also dovetail that straight ahead into more thoughts on Thursday Night Football with Tennessee resting just about everybody that matters, trying to be as healthy as possible heading into the winner-take-all game next week against Jacksonville with the division title on the line. Here's the question against third-string quarterback Josh Dobbs tonight for the Cowboys in primetime. Will they play down to the level of competition once more? That's coming up. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich here on the Rich Eisen Show. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of the competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 32,000 businesses have already made the decision to use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash richradio. Head to netsuite.com slash richradio for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash richradio. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. 
That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code EISEN. That's I B O T T A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Brian Weber back with you in for Rich. Thursday edition of the program, home stretch, and then we'll do it again tomorrow. All football, getting you fully lined up beyond what we have achieved together today. We'll go game by game, pointing out the games that matter coming up on Sunday. Arguably the best matchup of the weekend in the NFL on Monday, Buffalo and Cincinnati. And we'll spend more time on college football. We're going to handle that as well in... 15 minutes, so I'll be concise here. Looking forward to our latest conversation, talking bowl games of significance with Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. I am a hypocrite, although are you fully a hypocrite if you admit to being a hypocrite? I think that makes you sanctimonious. Look that word up. So I have been ripping the meaningless bowl games, and I've been having some fun. Now, unless they are a sponsor... Then I will completely moonwalk because, you know, when I need a mower, I go to bad boy mowers, but they're not a sponsor, so I don't have to get into that frame of mind. Let's just call it the pinstripe bowl. Yankee Stadium. I mentioned the weather has been terrible on the East Coast, but we've seen this and it's been problematic at several venues, especially baseball stadiums hosting bowl games. The field looks to be in lousy condition in New York, so I will self-report moment ago, I had the television on just to see what the field would look like at Yankee Stadium, Syracuse, Minnesota. It did occur to me, you know, when you have a sponsor that's a mowing company, you probably want to have the crappiest field out there. Now, if they're smart, they would say, and I'm sure there's a marketing team right now, handing whoever's calling this game on ESPN a note. You know, if you don't use a bad boy mower or insert your own mower there, this is what your field's going to look like. But player safety, we talk about it a lot. If that's really the concern, you can't ask these young people. And look, I'm in my early 50s. Anybody who's in their early 20s is a young person from my perspective. You shouldn't have them on this field, but it's a TV show. And if you have any questions as to why these games are played, if you're flipping around, you see... What feels like 17 people in the stands, it's a television show. They generate real ratings. We watch because we're addicted to football. One quick footnote, and I was doing it from memory, but I want to be as precise as possible. I mentioned the Chargers' dilemma running the football. Coming into the Colts game, they were number 31, reminder out of 32 teams, in rush offense. Averaging 3.7 yards per carry, they only put up 3.2 yards a pop against the Colts, so Justin Herbert has been transcendent. He's just being asked to do too much. Might help if you had a real running back, and I'm a big Austin Eckler fan. He's not a bell cow, as we used to say. He's more of a versatile, put them all over the field, but 
for your fantasy team. I'm sure you were smiling based on his ability to punch it in a few times against the Colts. That was the last primetime game. Got another one coming up tonight. Dallas against Tennessee. And what a fitting way it will be to wrap up the Thursday night slate because we've had some really challenging games this year. I won't go through all of them because I'm trying to stay upbeat. It is the holiday season. I just can look ahead. Al Michaels, at this point, has nothing to lose. He's been extremely candid this year. So when Al found out that he's not even going to be able to tell the Malik Willis story, and there's not much to say other than a rookie third-round pick. Remember, he started his career at Auburn. Wound up at Liberty trying to find his way year one. Instead, it's Josh Dobbs tonight as Tennessee's not playing virtually anyone of repute that we know, especially on defense because Mike Vrabel wisely is resting up, trying to protect players from injuries, heading into the last Sunday of the regular season next week. Tennessee versus Jacksonville, the winner Wraps up the division title. As for Dallas, and I don't want to be as predictable as to say, okay, it's the same old Cowboys. They're just a time bomb waiting to blow up because I don't fully believe that. Still, if I have to come up with a coherent summation, a synopsis of the Cowboys, I still got major doubts about Mike McCarthy because I never thought he should have been hired. I think he hoodwinked, bamboozled, and conned Jerry Jones into some speech about, no, 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 I'm into analytics. I bought a computer. I got these apps on my phone. See that barn over there? I put up a Pythagorean theorem on the wall. Uh, Mike is, for better or for worse, an old school coach, and we saw it. Even when they won a Super Bowl in Green Bay, although as Aaron Rodgers plays deeper into his career, isn't it amazing he only made the one Super Bowl in which he won that Lombardi trophy? You would think that player I have viewed as the most skilled quarterback of my adult lifetime. I think John Elway would be right there. I'm not talking achievement. I'm talking skill set. Rodgers with a real chance to walk away from football with just one ring. Mike McCarthy... Had a lot of situations in Green Bay in which he butchered clock management. And then we saw it last year. Playoff game hanging in the balance. Final seconds against San Francisco. And he called a play that was not the right play at all. I'm being kind, okay? There are a lot of things I could say more forceful. How about it was a catastrophe? To have that situation with a running clock, I have no idea what Mike McCarthy was thinking, and he continues to justify it because he knows it was an abomination. So that's my issue with Dallas because that defense is for real. Now, I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries, but I think we can have a high degree of confidence that when it matters, not tonight, but when it matters come playoff time, Micah Parsons is going to show up and digs in the secondary. And Demarcus Lawrence. Pollard is injured tonight. Fine, let's rest him up. I love his versatility. Ezekiel Elliott is doing just enough to have that semblance of a ground game I was talking about without dominating the pass run distribution. I think the issue with Zeke, especially when he comes back from an injury, is Jerry Jones gets in the ear of his coaching staff and says something along the lines of, 
gotta feed Zeke, gotta give him the rock. Well, when you do that, I think it negatively impacts the flow and the situational play calling of the Cowboys. Dak had a catastrophe. I seem to love that word in a Dallas context, but he had a terrible sequence of events against Philadelphia. Ball batted in the air, taken back for a touchdown. I give him credit. It did not derail him. He compartmentalized. He moved on, and against a very good Eagle defense, that was one of the best performances we've seen from Dak in his career. So put it all together, I can talk myself into Dallas as a team that could win the Super Bowl. That's not a hot take. There's nothing, I think, over the top about that, especially in the NFC, because there are real question marks elsewhere. And I don't even have to go as low. How low can you go as to a couple teams that have no business making the playoffs that are going to because of the expanded wild card field? So if you haven't looked recently, don't worry about it. It's my job. Here's who's still in contention in the NFC. Seattle at 7-8. and eight. Detroit was a great story till they woke up last week at Carolina and remembered they're the Lions and got punched in the mouth. Still at 7-8. and eight. Lurking. Here come the Packers at 7-8 and eight with the last two games at home against the Vikings, who I believe are frauds, and the Lions. And since I'm talking about not only wildcard teams but division champs, Minnesota comes down to this. Do you think the 11-0 record in one-score games, that's the best mark in NFL history, do you think that's a reflection of a good team or a lucky team? Did you watch the game against Buffalo? How many things had to go right for the Vikings to win that game? How about 33 to nothing at the half against the Colts? The Vikings, for the majority of this year, have had a negative point differential. That means they've been outscored. And I know who Kirk Cousins is, and Jefferson is phenomenal. But Cousins has shown us repeatedly in big situations, he comes up small. So if I have to give you teams I fully believe in in the NFC, can't believe I'm going to say Dallas, but I say what I mean, I mean what I say. Clearly Philadelphia need more information on the shoulder injury of Hurts. Does he play this weekend against the Saints? And put seating aside, I think San Francisco is the most complete team in that conference, even if it's Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, starting the rest of the way because of a number one defense, because of Christian McCaffrey, and because of the healing abilities of Debo Samuel. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich. I will check the Twitter feed coming up. That's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Straight ahead, we wrap up the program with style points. Bowl Bonanza continues. I'm only going to focus on games that matter, namely the national semifinals kicking off on Saturday. What's going to be the X factor when Georgia faces Ohio State? Looking forward to our conversation with P. Futek from collegefootballnews.com. Brian Infrarich, it's the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature, quiets your snores, or... 
your partners. Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Ryan Weber back with you. We are winding down. That means we are warming up for tomorrow's program. I got you covered. Tomorrow, final show of the year. And then, mercifully, Rich is back from vacation. And he'll take you the rest of the way into 2023. But we have a little business to attend to. And it's always a pleasure to talk with an old friend, Pete Futek, he is a one-man brand, not one-man band, a one-man brand at collegefootballnews.com. Pete, I have efforted conversations with you recently. I have been told you're booked up, so thank you for making the time. I'm a busy man at this time of year. What do you want? (laughs) No, I'm glad. I feel like you always say yes unless you have other commitments. So I'm glad other people are being exposed to your deep insights. I guess that's one way to be put it is I'm exposing myself to the world. Yeah. So no, it's, it's, it's fine. It's this time of year is always kind of crazy with everything. No, I get it. Uh, I get it. It's it, it, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And then all of a sudden no one loves me or cares about me anymore. And about, what oh, was it? 10 days from now? No, then, no, no. I love uh, you. And I, I keep telling day. you just do a little college basketball so I can have you on in February and March. Okay. I can do that. That's all coming right. up next. That's what we do. That's what we pivoted to pivot to in a little bit, but, uh, for right now, it's all bowl games, whatever the heck these things are. Yes, uh, at the moment, uh, all the time, because uh, uh, we get we get real stuff very soon. We get the the real games uh, in a couple days uh, with everyone sort of playing, although not really. Uh, but uh, this has been a, a this has been a really interesting bowl year so far. Hey, I'm going to throw you a wild card, but you can handle it before we talk about the national semifinals. So, about an hour and 15 minutes ago, I was talking about well, Tennessee is resting everybody tonight, Thursday night game against Dallas, and then I saw the news. Yep. It's Josh Dobbs starting tonight. Now, just from a college context, what do you remember about Josh when he played well at Tennessee, and now he'll play for the Tennessee Titans? Smartest guy in the room, and he's one of those players who's marginally talented. But he was all—he was one of those guys who actually went to class and was really good at school. Yeah, isn't he a rocket and, scientist? Isn't something aeronautics? Yeah, like I think he's literal. Exactly, I think he's literally a rocket scientist. So uh, figuring out this little football thing hasn't been too hard for him. And look, God bless me—he's been around. This has to be what ten years or so as a backup quarterback. You could make some serious. Uh, 
you know, you know, serious rocket money doing all that. So <laughs> he's a, he's a, we'll see what happens. You're right. It's going to be an interesting, all these things about, I love when everyone kind of complains about, oh, well, this bull, these guys are opting out and these guys aren't playing and these guys are transferring. Well, yeah, like, look at your, like you said, look at your Tennessee Titans tonight. They're, they're basically, they're not opting out. They're just sort of like stopping for a little while and then going to gear it back up again. So uh, these are interesting football times, but it makes sense. But Joshua Dobbs is a very, very, uh, again, very smart, very decent quarterback who's not going to make a whole lot of mistakes. But he's going to have to put up a whole lot of yards against this Cowboy team, obviously. Yeah, I'm now having a flashback. So I used to work at a different audio platform. We did NFL conversation every day. I think I talked to him on the run-up to the 2017 draft somewhere in there. And you're right, I remember doing the research. Just astronomical, no pun intended, GPA. Very smart guy. And Look, we know what Tennessee's doing. They're resting up to take on Jacksonville next week with the division title on the line. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich. We're talking bowl games that matter now with P. Futak. Check out his great work, collegefootballnews.com. So as we compare and contrast Georgia this year to last year, overall, is this roster as deep and as talented? No, uh, but they've got that kind of fire in them that they can do something that last year's didn't and win this national championship going undefeated. So uh, there has been, it's, it's kind of a perfect storm of things happening with this program because you, you know, they lost all that talent, but years and years and years of great recruiting classes have built up the base. And so it, I, I'm not a big fan of recruiting. Uh, so I'm, not, I'm definitely not a fan when you say, oh, well, this guy's going here. Okay, fine. But when you get all those five stars year after year after year, you know that a bunch of them are going to be just okay, a bunch of them are going to bust. But for the most part, you're, you're setting a base for what's coming four or five years later. And this is where it's going to come into fruition, where they had all that depth waiting in the wings. They have all that talent there. And so, again, perfect storm. You've got all these guys who are hungry to prove that they're as good, if not better, than last year's team, which was obviously epic. You've got a 44-year-old who knows how to kind of lead it all, who's not going to make mistakes. And it just has been all working so far. But with all that said, they get an Ohio State team that, look, you let them in. You know, this could be, you know, 2019 Alabama, where it didn't really deserve to be in the college football playoff, but you let them fast past the bouncer, and they ended up having a good old party there. Same thing like 2014 Ohio State. They got into the four seed, and they said, okay, let's play here because – there are three and a half teams in college football that have the same talent level. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and the USC offense. Everyone else is just <laughs> sort of has to have a, a style or a gimmick or something to, to, to hang around. Some, some fluky is going to have to happen for TCU to win to do here for Michigan. But Ohio State, you go even with their injuries and even with Jackson Smith, the Jigba was coming down with a case of NFLitis and you know, some other things. Well, how they can hang guy for guy, punch for punch with these Georgia Bulldogs? Pete Futek, collegefootballnews.com, getting you set for the national semifinals. I know you dabble in conversations about sports wagering. So how do you see the matchup between Georgia and Ohio State? And let me throw on the follow-up. Given what happened to Ohio State being destroyed by Michigan, I'm not saying that Ryan Day has a lack of job security, but what happens if they get pounded again by Georgia? Oh, dear God. You know what? Between, yeah, actually, it's, there's no way you can win. I am not joking when I say that there is a segment of the Ohio State fan base that they could beat Georgia, beat Michigan in the national championship 45-3, to and their Ohio State fans are going to be like, 
Yeah, but Ryan Day lost to Michigan. Uh, you know, and kind of be like, oh, we should have had a perfect season. This should have been a whole lot better than this. And, but you're right. There is no he's, there's no lack of job security. But yeah, you don't lose to Michigan twice if you're that coach at that program, especially when you spent the entire last year just going out of your mind, bat spit crazy over, oh my God, we lost to Michigan. This isn't right. There's a disturbance in the force. And then you lose like that. They can, they should lose to Georgia, but I don't. I, I, I full caveat here. I'm bad at picking college football playoff games for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I've been really off on this, but my gut sense is Georgia wins. Ohio State covers. Yeah, you know, I, I just think that they've got the ability to make this one of those games where they lose really close, and then all of a sudden they feel aggrieved by a bad call or something like this that carries them into the off season. We're getting you set for the final four of P. Futek from collegefootballnews.com because I am a lousy clock manager and I got a south track with Josh Dobbs. Need a little more succinct answers here. What do you think Michigan TCU comes down to? I'll make this easy for you. Easy win. Seven of the first eight college football playoff undercards have been ugly blowouts by 17 or more. Just that Rose Bowl between Georgia and Oklahoma was close. Uh, we know how Michigan rolls. TCU is going to play well, might even be up at halftime, and then somehow Michigan will gain 400 yards on its first drive of the second half and then end up rolling in there. Man, you did the, like the hurry-up offense. I got more time than that. All right, but this is more interesting to me philosophically. What's the motivation for Kevin Warren to leave the Big Ten? I know he's a quote-unquote NFL guy to take the Bears job. And give me names that we should link, because you're Mr. Big Ten. Who could be the next commissioner of the Big Ten Conference? I give. How about me? Let's start with that. <laughs> I would make a great commissioner. No, it's it's a big job. It's especially with what's coming forward with a billion dollar TV contract and UCLA and USC and more expansion coming probably from other Pac-12 schools. It is you know it's not hyperbole to say it's the second best commissioner job in sports behind uh, being the commissioner of the NFL. Considering the business practices here, obviously the NBA is part of that too, but uh, it's, it's up there because you're talking about a multi-billion dollar gig at this point that you're going to be the CEO of. So we would look, what, to the usual suspects, people with media experience. How important is it, because Mr. Warren didn't have a big background in college sports, how important is it to have someone who's quote-unquote a college guy? Uh, not at all. It's just being a, a high-end business executive. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the names. In front, just because you don't know who that guy is or, or woman behind the scenes who just knows the business aspect of this because this goes beyond PR. It goes beyond, you know, a sports thing. It's just who's the best CEO of a major corporation out there, and that's that level of gig that this is at this point. Pete, I got two words for you. Larry Scott. Okay. <laughs> Great. So, so we'll have Big Ten after dark, and we're going to put these games. We're going to put Michigan Ohio State on at eleven thirty at night uh, Eastern time, and yeah. they will if, if Amazon says so. Pete, you're the best, and I want you just throw college basketball somewhere in the headlines so I can chat with you in February, March. All right? Absolutely. Will have a good rest happy of holidays. Year. Pete's an old friend, and I am lucky to fill in throughout the holiday season. I think I even had Pete on on Labor Day. So Pete's a go-to, and then when I was talking to the staff, Pete suddenly was unavailable. I thought, wait, it it couldn't be me. Did I offend an old friend? Pete's terrific. And I did mention in passing, that is a very important strategic development. According to reports, Kevin Warren, who just presided over the billion-dollar media deal secured by the Big Ten, who's got a background in the NFL, 
Vikings, Rams, Lions. According to reports, he's going to take over the CEO job of the Bears. So, what about the linkage to Jim Harbaugh? I keep mentioning that name in passing. We'll talk about it again tomorrow. Remember, Harbaugh had an official interview with the Vikings last year. I think if he wins it all this year or gets a national title game, wouldn't that say... I've done enough for my alma mater, and this is Rich's alma mater as well, so let me tread lightly. But by his own admission, Harbaugh says he has unfinished business in the NFL, namely that he made it to the Super Bowl and lost to his brother when the lights went out in New Orleans. That'll be a decade removed coming up in February. Just a name to watch. Denver and Harbaugh makes a lot of sense. Think about how much he could extract in terms of a payday from the Walton family. Because I'm going to do this tomorrow in detail. History tells us six or seven jobs open up in the NFL. Three have already been opened up, unless you think that Steve Wilkes is going to hang on to the Carolina gig, and I think he should. I think he's demonstrated that he's done a marvelous job of holding that franchise together. But indeed, Denver already open. Who else could have a real problem with job security? Because nothing says the holidays. Ho, ho, ho. Like who's getting fired across the National Football League. Winding down now, another big show on the way tomorrow. I've already mapped out a good chunk of the content. I will tell you this, I'm not breaking down Dallas and Tennessee. Now, maybe Josh Dobbs has the Brock Purdy performance, and I'm forced to, but that's not the game plan heading into tomorrow. We're going to spend our three hours together in the final show of the year Going through the games that have significance. We'll put the playoff picture into focus. I'll talk more about the national semifinals. I did five minutes or so of NBA. That's not going to be the case tomorrow. It's wall-to-wall football. I want to thank our guest, Mike Jones of The Athletic, FutechCollegeFootballNews.com. As always, thanks to Rich for letting me sit in again. All the fine people at Westwood One, led by Bruce Gilbert, and outstanding work from our technical producer, Art Martinez. I'm Brian Weber. Enjoy the rest of your day and Thursday Night Football, and we'll do it again tomorrow here on The Rich Eisen Show.